Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. This morning's reading is from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, beginning to read at verse 12. It has a heading, Final Instructions. Now, we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Thank you for bringing our reading. Good morning, everyone. Oh, that's good. We're awake. We're ready to read God's Word together and think about it together. And uh, we join together still in this beginning of this new calendar year. Um, And in some ways, life continues. I don't know if you feel this. There's lots around about, you know, New Year's and goals and all that kind of thing. But actually, life also continues. Uh, But it's a helpful time to reflect and to reorientate ourselves towards God. Uh, So it's a good excuse as well to do that at the beginning of a new year. And I don't know if you knew, but you and me, my name's Eve, if you don't know me, I'm the uh, clergy lead here. You and me, we're actually related. Yeah, yeah, we're related. So for those of us that follow Jesus, we have an identity in Christ that undeniably connects us. We're called brothers and sisters in Jesus. We share in the risen life of Jesus together. So whatever sharing and living this faith means, it means we're doing it together. 
And often in our discipleship, which means our following of Jesus, we think about us as individuals connecting with God. And sometimes that's a symptom of our Western culture, our individualism here. It's not the same all over the world. Uh, But we think about what could or should I do? Or what should I start or stop or change to make my life better or more fulfilling. But we are formed here at St. George's and other Christian churches as communities that have Jesus at the center. And so we want to hear from God together and follow him together so that he is made known as part of our vision says to preach Jesus and that people see Jesus in our life together when they look at us. And maybe you're not following Jesus yet, maybe you're thinking about faith, Um, and I think and hope that 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 account of communal life together sounds appealing and compelling. But it does need Jesus at the centre of it, his love and his power to make that possible. So as we've talked about Alpha, you might want to explore that for yourself there, and that in its own place is that place of community to be a part of as you explore. So what are we invited to do together as brothers and sisters, as those drawing to God, maybe exploring faith? Well, as Rich spoke about last week in this series, uh, we believe God wants to speak to us and does speak. God wants to be heard from. God speaks and God guides. Hallelujah. I don't know if that's a relief to some of us to know that there is a good, loving God speaking and guiding us. And we've just celebrated Christmas together, God coming in flesh in the person of Jesus to dwell among us, the creation, the humanity that God created and loved but was broken and needed restoring and reconciling to God. In the incarnation, God coming as a child and on the cross, in the resurrection, uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And God still speaks today, guiding us to live for him and to invite others to know his love. So we can hear from God, that's one of the assumptions that we're working with, and we do that together, we're invited to do that together. So we're going to think about hearing from God together uh, in prayer this morning. We thought about scripture last week as Richard spoke to us and I really recommend you listening to that if you haven't already on the podcast or on YouTube. And today we're thinking about prayer and I want to give us a practical encouragement to be people of God who hear together in prayer this year. So when we're thinking about hearing from God and God's guidance, there are a variety of ways that God guides us and that the church over the centuries has discerned or understood that it's hearing from God. And um, another nod to Alpha, there's a great summary of how God guides us in some of the Alpha material that we explore. Uh, And there's a list of these five Um, things beginning with C.S., not C.S. Lewis who wrote Narnia, but different C.S., which we see in the Bible and the life of the church. And I just want to highlight these because I found these are 
really helpful in ensuring this broad understanding of God's guidance. They give us a framework for what we feel God is saying to us as a community. We use these as uh, clergy, as the ministry team, as the PCC, those elected from the congregation to lead and guide our church. Um, All the time, these are in motion, helping us think about what God is saying. And they safeguard us against that individualism, against unhelpful understandings or arrogance about hearing from God, excuse me, in certain ways over others or certain people over others. So for ourselves and the community, we're discerning together these five CSs in a situation of our, our life together, whether our own lives following God, our communal life, and we use all of them rather than just one or two, but with scripture as that primary authority for the way God has spoken to us, the record, the account of God coming in Jesus. And that's uh, been the church's understanding for centuries as we seek to follow God. So in that first place there, there is that commanding scripture that Richard spoke about last week, looking to the Bible together, the grand story of God at work in the world with his people through Jesus. And we always look to that and refer to that as well with all the other ways of hearing from God and being guided. And then the others um, are the compelling spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity speaking and guiding, um, common sense, which is that, you know, is this sensible? Do other people think this is a sensible idea? And again, that plays into others of these uh, because sometimes God asks us or leads us in ways that seem surprising and don't seem like the sensible thing to do. Uh, And then we need other ways of discerning that. But sometimes common sense is really helpful. And then the council of the saints, which is those other believers around us now and in history, giving us counsel and wisdom, having also been led by God and heard from God. And then circumstantial signs, um, which is not to be too kind of ethereal or spooky about it, but just asking God to make clear a way forward. And then as and when things happen, that seem to confirm that it's a helpful way uh, among the others of hearing from God. And today, I think in prayer, uh, it particularly touches upon the Holy Spirit, the compelling spirit, and circumstantial signs, or God speaking and confirming or challenging us as we pray for one another. So in this passage that we heard this morning, uh, which is a letter to the early church in Thessalonica in Greece, Paul, the apostle, a messenger of the news of Jesus, um, is encouraging this early church community. And in those final instructions, those concluding words, one of them is pray continually. And so that's what we're looking at together this morning and hopefully equips us for our whole lives with God. What does that practically look like now and how do we get there? Well, we know this about this church and its founding from Acts 17. Paul and Silas went to Thessalonica and Paul traveled and preached the good news. And this was not too long, a couple of decades after Jesus was alive. And the community, having turned to Christ, these new Christians, faced significant persecution, fear of death, as they declared Jesus as Lord. 
in the face of these political and cultural authorities. You can find that overview on the Bible Project resource online. It's really good. And if you're visual or you like uh, pictures and linking things together, um, I find those really helpful. But despite this persecution, in verse um, 7 of the opening chapter, uh, Paul says, the message of the good news ran out, rang out from you. They might have been, in those early days, what we might now call a bit of a resource church. Not in the same kind of exact way that we have now, because we're a bit uh, further down the line in different, different culture, but they impacted beyond their local community. And Paul is writing to them to encourage them in the face of this persecution. And he's been encouraged by the report he's heard about them. They're doing the right stuff in following and worshipping God, as Timothy has reported, who he'd sent to encourage them and strengthen them. And Paul also directs them to respond to their persecution with love, meeting opposition with grace and generosity. And this way of life is all motivated by the hope they have in the coming kingdom of God that has already begun. They're not trying to earn their way to the kingdom, but they're living out of the reality of it. And their kind of end sight is they know that that God is coming back again in Jesus to put everything right. And that in this now and the not yet tension of living in persecution, but knowing the hope that they have. So as I speak about prayer this morning, I feel like my motivation for this is the same as Paul, the pastor Paul in chapter four, when uh, Paul says to the Thessalonian church, you're living the way they've been instructed following God to please God in response to the good news. And Paul says, now we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. So he's not saying, do all of this new stuff. This is all the ways you need to improve or be challenged. He's saying, do what you're doing more and more. So we are already at St. George's a praying church. We've got our prayer and worship night coming up. We do that every month together. We pray in small groups. We pray in our Sunday services, lots of different ways. So let's do it more and more. That's our starting point. And also that the Thessalonian church is one that loved one another. Paul says, you've been taught by God to love one another. And so we um, want to do that more and more, not just in our location, but wider in planting, in blessing others, in giving away. And many of us here now don't face the intense persecution of the early church. Some of our brothers and sisters here do know what that is like. And they have much more in common with those original hearers. And we can learn from them. But we still receive these final instructions from God here with this gentle challenge to be bold in prayer this, uh, this coming year. And in the passage that we heard from in chapter 5, there's lots of instructions that are communal to follow the will of God. Um, So the list that's coming up is this list of things. Um, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, be open to God's spirit, test prophecies, hold fast to what is good and reject all evil. Remember this is stuff they were already doing 
So Paul says, do this more and more. And so when we're talking about praying and praying continually, one of the ways we do that is to pray for one another, either in groups or one-on-one in our conversations. And I think praying for one another is something that invites all of these things to happen. We get to rejoice alongside others and give thanks for things to God. Uh, We get to pray, obviously, we're coming to that. Uh, We get to give thanks in all circumstances and help one another turn towards thanksgiving in the midst of anything that is going on. We get to be open to the Spirit and listen to God for one another. We get to hear things maybe from God's voice and test that against scripture, against all the other um, CSs, that framework that we were thinking about. And we get to hold fast to what is good and reject things that aren't of God that are discouraging or of the enemy together. And we get to do this, um, whether we know the person very well or not, if we're Christians, we can generally pray for one another. We can pray um, with no geographical boundaries as well, praying for brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. And we can also allow the Holy Spirit to minister to people without us needing to fix the thing or be sort of a guru to people because we're letting God do it. But I don't think pray continually means to sit in some kind of trance or separated from society. Um, It looks like sort of embedded into our rhythms of life. And I don't know when you think about your lives at the moment or my life, whether it feels like that rhythm, that go-to thing that we would do in different circumstances, whether we're bold to pray in our small groups for one another or whether that feels like it's a special occasion when we do it. But some of the most significant moments in my faith journey have involved being prayed for, whether in a church service or setting or elsewhere by people. When I've been filled with the Spirit or had a particular sense of call or just known the presence of God. Again, something spectacular doesn't necessarily have to happen every time we pray for one another, even though I think, you know, being in the presence of the living God is pretty spectacular. So let's partner with him. So uh, in the next slide, I kind of put it again. Sometimes you'll see me put things in a, like a, a visual that I sort of get a bit. And I thought as, it was, as Paul was talking, all the stuff in green, green is go, you know, green is all the stuff that we are encouraged to do always. And you see all those words, they mean the same thing, guys. Who'd have thought? Always, continually, in all circumstances, rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Any of those things, someone says, should I pray about this? The answer is always, yes, continually. That's our answer. Someone says, I'm finding it hard, but I want to be able to give thanks. Could you help me with that as we pray? Yes, in all circumstances. Um, That doesn't mean not being honest about situations, but it does mean like the Psalms and all of those inspiration we have from the Bible, we can go to God with those things. And then the big thing was be open to the Spirit in all of this. And then the, it is orange and red on the original side. And there's kind of, if we think it's from God, we test, we ask, we investigate. If it's not of God because it's denying fundamental things about who God is and his love, we get rid. I feel like that's, I don't know if that's a particularly northern thing or just a more kind of colloquial way. We get rid. If it's, if it's not of the Lord, we get rid. If it's, we hold onto it, not just hold it, we hold fast, we hold on. So I found that kind of, 
more health of my brain to be like, is it green, is it orange, is it red? And be open to the spirit. So what does this look like practically? Well, um, at St. George's, we encourage everyone to pray uh, continually and for one another in those different settings. And we have prayer ministry that you might see in church and in public worship, we offer prayer ministry and we have a team of folks that are trained to do that using what I'm about to do with us and then um, to pray for people in public worship um, for accountability and for safeguarding and for all of those good things. But then this model is also really helpful for when we're praying for a friend, in our small groups, even someone who doesn't follow Jesus who we say, could I pray for you and with you about this and the emphasis is on asking God to move and speak rather than us having all the answers and to allow God to speak together we can do this from afar if we want to pray for someone specifically at a particular time and we can do it in person as well Um, and this model is one of those things um, this literal prayer model is not literally in the Bible. You won't open to a verse that says, and now stand and say, what would you like me to pray for? Which is what we're about to do. But with those other guidance things that we talked about, it is, uh, we think, kind of wise. And it's accessible for people to be able to learn how to pray for people. And it gives us a common language to share together when we're praying um, so that we are on the same page and we can encourage more and more people to do it. Uh, disciple and train people alongside us to do it as well. So I want to encourage us to be praying always in all circumstances this year through this. And to do this, rather than just talk to you about it, um, I'm just going to show us, we're going to do it together. And so I'm going to invite Kathy up to come up. And I've asked Kathy if she would be open to helping with this. And she has said yes. So thank you for doing that. Kathy's wonderful. Kathy um, is also one of our Um, congregation members who's part of a small uh, team that's also part of our pastoral care for people and um, so sometimes if we visit people at home or something that might be one of the clergy it might also be Kathy sometimes going to see them so we really value um, what you bring to us Um, so Kathy hello Um, you can hold why don't you hold the mic for a moment I'll give you a mic if we need it and the blue one Um, and I'm just going to show you very simply we'll yeah put up this this is Um, what we do Um, and this is for the sake of equipping us all and I'm just going to go through the simple model of praying that we use and um, I invite us to come into God's presence and just be here together and I am going to genuinely pray if you know what I mean I'm not going to like pretend and joke we're just going to invite God Um, but as I said to Kathy I'm not going to share anything in this more public space that I might share otherwise with Kathy if I was just talking to her in prayer, if you see what I mean. Um, and my hope is that we can all do this. So, um, is that all right, Kathy, if we pray? Great. And um, you pray for people as well, and you're used to this. Um, do you pray kind of in your small group or different settings? Does it feel like something that you always do, or is it kind of a special occasion thing? No, not a special occasion, no. No, no, not a special occasion at all, no. Just sort of you Try might to do pray this. about small things and bigger things and sometimes unexpectedly pray for people. Yeah, amazing. Thank you. I'll put this down and then we can do it. So um, 
So when we pray, we're talking about both praying out loud and listening to God. So I invite you um, to, yeah, just pray with me now. Is that all right as we pray together? Um, So when we invite someone to be prayed for by us again, this could be in our home, this could be in our small group, any of us. This might be in church. This might be for a friend. Um, First of all, the main thing we we do in St. George's is we keep our eyes open. This is a very practical thing but it really helps when you're praying for someone. Now, if you're praying for well, like one of your busy mates and you're having a prayer moment, you might do this and you might both close your eyes. Um, and that's okay, you know, in your kind of own lives. But when we pray for people, it's really helpful to keep our eyes open as I pray because I might see something that God's doing in Kathy or how her like, body's responding to the spirit and it helps me to be listening to God with all my senses rather than just in my mind or my heart. And then often what we might do as well is offer to put a hand on someone's shoulder as we pray as a sign that we're praying, that we're alongside them. Um, and again, you don't, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. And you ask them, and if they don't want you to, you can just pray next to them. And you might have seen as well that we often talk about having our hands out uh, as if to receive a gift. And um, that sometimes helps people and it sometimes helps the person being prayed for to have their eyes closed so that they can focus on the moment. So... Um, Kathy, it might help if you want to close your eyes and have your hands out. I'm going to pray. And I'm just going to go through very simply and probably quicker the things that we might do. And then I would encourage you all, we're going to you know, do this in our lives. So as you'll see on the screen, there's just different things. So the first thing I, I would ask Kathy, um, could I have a hand on your shoulder? And I'd say, is there anything particular you want me to pray for or just uh, generally lift you to God? Just generally, yeah. Um, So we can ask them, and if there's something specific, we can pray about that later. And then the next thing uh, is to wait. And so I might open my prayer with saying, Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for Kathy. Thank you for your love for her. We pray, Come, Holy Spirit, would you bless her now? And then... We would wait, and sometimes we're not used to waiting in the quiet. Or if there's something particular, someone might feel something more. But we can wait because God is good and faithful. He will do it, as we heard. And we listen to God's voice. We might have a Bible with us. It might be a word or a picture or a sense of God's love for the person. Again, that Holy Spirit might be that we don't hear or feel anything particularly, but that's okay. So we just listen to the Holy Spirit. And then you might pray out loud something. You might pray something of encouragement, of strength, of comfort. You use the gifts of the Spirit if um, you have a word of knowledge share that sensitively and invite a response you don't have to say God says this but we just say feel like God might be saying and I'm reminded as I pray Kathy of um, God's banner over you as love and your scarf God often speaks to me through sort of clothing or things and that your scarf wrapped around you as love so I pray and thank God his love for you, that his banner over you is love. That's the loudest uh, voice 
And if you have something particular, you might ask the person, does that resonate with them? And then after a while, we might just conclude. Uh, and it's good to conclude a prayer, because then people know when we finish praying. Um, I might say, Amen. And there might not be any, there won't often no need to kind of follow up or anything. And in prayer ministry here, we don't follow up if we've prayed for someone, if, unless someone comes and lets us know about something. Um, thank you, Kathy, for being prayed for. And so I want to encourage us with the simplicity of that model and those uh, steps. And being a church that prays uh, in all circumstances, and I think, I wonder whether some of us are holding back from that um, in maybe in our small groups or if we have a conversation with a friend who shares our faith, uh, whether at the beginning or the end or you know, mid-conversation about talking about things, do we take the opportunity to pray continually? It doesn't have to be for very long, but it does make a difference. So we are a church that prays. And we are a church that loves one another. The message of Christ rings out from us. And so I encourage us, let's do these things more and more as we pray continually. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.